You are listening to The Forecast, Season 1, Episode 20. When I came here, nobody, especially not the players, didn't know me really well. So it's all about rumor, if you want. Mm. He's like this, he's like this, very emotional, sideline, training, I don't know what he's doing. It's all about counter-pressing and all that stuff. So that's what, what everybody obviously thought, what it's the whole picture. And um, But of course, I'm more than counter-pressing. <laughs> Not much, not a lot, but I'm more. And um, so, and that's, I had a similar situation with the players, so I knew a lot about them, but not all. And uh, now we know much more. And um, we really, we really enjoy working together. That's what I can say. You said yourself that, that immediately you're pigeonholed this extremely emotional, crazy guy on the touchline. Yeah, of course, you're not like that 24-7. That's only part... <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I hope you're not, you're not are you? would be really crazy. <laughs> oh, that's only part of your personality. During the 90 minutes, I really I became much calmer than I was. That's how it is. I feel it. Mm. It's not that, I, that I'm that excited in every second. It's moments. And yes, I'm involved in a game, yes, and I will, I will not stop. And I don't want to stop being involved in the game. But I'm, I'm much calmer than I was. And um, so, of course, but life is, is too short not to celebrate nice moments. Calm? Yes, calm. Mustn't get excited. Calm? Calm? I'm calm, I'm calm, I'm perfectly calm, I'm utterly under control. I haven't a worry, where others would hurry, I stroll. I'm calm, I'm cool, a jibbering fool is one thing I never become. When thunder is rumbling and others are crumbling, I hum. All right. Uh, we will start with uh, some of the rumors, uh, new, newer rumors. Klasinec uh, seems like he's uh, going to Arsenal. We, we mentioned his name uh, in the last show. Um, I think Eric said something about uh, some pre-contract thing that was been offered to uh, this guy. Uh, but it looks like um, it was a long queue of uh, clubs that were offering him this uh, pre-contract. And again, now in the latest rumor, uh, seems to be that uh, that Arsenal have won uh, that game. Uh, Vez, I think in a very early show, uh, you said you've you're not really very impressed with this guy. I stand by that. Okay. I'm still not impressed by him at all, and I my personal feeling is good riddance. If Arsenal want him, they can have him. Okay. <laughs> Personally, I'd rather have Gibbs. <laughs> Kieran Gibbs. Yeah. Um, uh, it's, it's about the, the player of that quality, but Gibbs has some Premier League experience. So. Right. <laughs> Premier League experience, is that a bit overrated sometimes? sometimes? You know, we've got this some of these players and they've had Premier League experience. It doesn't really uh, translate when they immediately put up, pull on a red shirt sometimes. I, I don't know. I don't think Klopp puts a huge premium on Premier League experience simply because obviously he, he never looks for a quick fix with the transfer. Whereas I think when people sign a player with Premier League experience, the idea is that they don't want to buy a player who's going to have to spend a season or two point, adapting yeah. to the style of football. But I think, you know, I, I don't think Klopp really puts a massive premium on that. So I don't see him. I don't see him putting, you know, emphasizing it. But I think it might be considered in a few transfers, maybe if we're looking for a little bit more composure in certain areas, like at centre-back or in midfield. If you want someone who's going to be a calming influence, he might look to bring in someone who's a bit older and has experience playing in this country. But like I said, I don't think it's going to be a massive influence on any of our transfer targets. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I mentioned it in the last show as well, um, the possibility that Klopp will continue with James Milner as first-choice left-back for our next season and get in a younger left-back, um, you know, to, to groom, uh, you know, in the next uh, uh, couple of seasons. Um, it, it may pan out this way. I mean, if you, if you believe um, Melissa Reddy's list of, list of players that uh, are supposedly Liverpool's transfer priorities uh, for, for the summer, um, I only see one left-back name in there. And uh, that's uh, Sessegnon. And uh, 
if he really is the target, then yeah, then it's consistent with Milner continuing as a, as a left back. And on, in, an, in an earlier show, we kind of said that, okay, the James Milner at left back experiment has failed. Um, l- let's assume that that is the case, okay? Um, Millie continuing as first choice left back. How, how do you react to this, guys? I'll be disappointed, I must admit. Um, as good as Milner has been, he is still an average left back from an attacking perspective. Um, he doesn't give us much width on the left-hand side. He wants to cut in, so he, there's no getting to the byline and putting balls in. Uh, Klein has been equally as bad in the final third as well. And I think that's been a weakness against the bottom half of the table, is having Milner and Klein, who defensively are very good. I don't mind them against the top clubs. But when we need that cutting edge against the bottom half of the table, I don't think they give us that uh, cutting edge enough. And I think Milner being a right-footed left back, it it just doesn't do it for me. It really doesn't. And I think we need to be in a proper left-sided left back. So I'll be disappointed. I won't say it won't happen, but I'll be disappointed. Okay. Okay. Uh, Vez? Well... Personally, I wouldn't keep Milner at left back, but if Klopp decides to do that, then okay, he has my support. I trust he knows what he's doing. So well, that's big of you. That's big of you, Vess. Yeah, you go. He has your support. Good. He has my full support. <laughs> but once again, it, it could be. It could come down to um, trying to keep as much experience in in the in the squad. Uh, as possible. Um, I would, Joe, if you think about it, if Lucas does leave, it's perfect for for Milner to come and be one of those backups and play the cup games in the midfield. That's how I would see uh, Milner's role going forward. He shouldn't be a starter at at this stage. Different kind of midfielder though, Different, different, uh, different role, right? Yeah, but you remember John Barnes being uh, a wide midfielder, a, a, a fantastic winger, and the older he got and the slower he got, he moved into the centre. Mm-hmm. I see that role more for, for, for Milner, giving the presence for the younger, uh, maybe an anchoring role uh, in, in the midfield uh, next year, in the, in the cup games. Okay. Mental, how, how, what will your reaction be if we fail to sign a left-back in the summer? Or maybe, uh, Um, uh, 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 say, a natural left-back? Well, it it kind of, unfortunately, it kind of fits with Klopp, uh, the way he adapts players, and it fits with Michael Edwards and and, uh, Mike Gordon side of things of, of, you know, buying a young player and, you know, a young talent and bringing them up. Um, But it just just feels a bit contorted. It feels a bit, uh, it feels a bit like we're forcing we're forcing people into roles, you know, and one's too old and not left back and the other's too young and not developed enough. So it feels very imperfect going forwards like that. But it just seems, you know, it doesn't surprise me that you get that with the combination of Klopp and Edwards. You know, if one doesn't do it, the other will. Yeah, yeah. Okay, um, coming back to this uh, list, um, Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain, that's a name that uh, doesn't seem to be going away anytime soon. Um, he's still being linked um, with us, but um, it seems, according to the esteemed Melissa Reddy, that uh, we will not be interested if he is valued at thirty-five million pounds. But at twenty million pounds, um, we would be interested. He put in a great performance um, the the other night against uh, Borough. Uh, so basically, you find all these highlight reels with uh, the Ox. Uh, with this performance, and, uh, and uh, some Liverpool fans are saying, "Ah, oh, okay, yeah, that's uh, that's what you get." I guess maybe that's the reason why Klopp is as interested in him. Or but it seems that we've been interested in him for a, for a, for a long time. Um, what do you think? Do you think this is going to this is going to work? I know Arsene Wenger has said that he doesn't want to lose him, but he doesn't seem to strike me as a guy that we we need actually. I think in terms of the the. The fact that he is a bit of a utility player in that 
you know, we've seen him a lot in a wide role and he does sort of have the pace for that, but he has retreated a bit into a midfield role this season. I think that could be useful for Liverpool because we've talked about wanting a wide player during the summer. We've talked about wanting backup for Sadio Mane and someone else to maybe put out on the other wing if we need to and also having more cover in the midfield. So perhaps signing him with that sort of dual ability in both of those roles would be quite handy. I mean, I, from what I've heard from... Uh, Arsenal fans, I know Arsenal fan TV it doesn't have the best rep in the world but some of the (laughs) fans on there do talk a little bit of sense Um, there are a few of them but some and from what I've heard they do all seem to rate him very highly and the things that they talk about are his energy his commitment, his his directness in his running and also his willingness to close down the ball and try and win it back and these are all traits that we're looking for and that Jurgen Klopp looks for in a player I think with the fee I think that's more the club trying to play hardball rather than simply saying we're not going to sign this player if he's 35 million. Because, I mean, Jurgen Klopp raised eyebrows last summer when he signed Sadio Mane for 35 million. Obviously, he came very good. But at the time, there were a lot of questions about whether he was worth that money. But I don't think Jurgen Klopp is really that fussed about the amount of money that a player is going to cost. And with all this talk of Liverpool also having a massive summer war chest this year and numbers being thrown about like 200 million from fsg that we that he might get i don't really see 35 million being a massive object in it still he's he's quite injury prone and the second thing is yeah he 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 may be useful he's useful in the wide role but again he doesn't strike me as the kind of wide player that we should get it's a bit like a misfit again like you know millie at left back or am i being unfair on uh, the ox no, I think I think you're being extremely fair. I think uh, just recently from Gulen Berlach, the, the Spanish journalist, has just linked us with Nkaki Williams. Yeah. Now, if we bring in Williams and Brunt, I'll take that any day of the week. Uh, if we're going to have versatile, uh, wide players that can play across the whole front three, then a, a utility player in the form of Ox. Uh, I think that's the better way to go. And then bring in more specialised midfielders for those roles. Uh, yeah. It'll be interesting, but I don't, I don't, I, 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 I would like us to, to, to get something like a Linkarki Williams, somebody like a Brunt in, if we are, uh, those, those are the type of players that'll get me excited for next year. Yeah, I mean, if it's Inaki Williams, it's, it's definitely some, someone that I can uh, get excited about as well. Uh, okay, so, that's where we are on Ox. Um, again, um, Van Dyke is being mentioned here. And now it seems plausibly, I mean, recent, uh, in the past couple of weeks or so, um, you find uh, Van Dyke's name being mentioned and being thrown about as, as a real serious target for Liverpool uh, uh, to go after, go after. And we've mentioned it several times as well. Um, now, what do, you, what do you see as um, using uh, Sacco as the bargaining chip uh, in our uh, Van Dyke chase, Christian. Yeah, yeah, the Sacco thing. Um, well, Sacco will be very expensive. He, he has uh, he has done really everything to to um, yeah to make himself visible. Uh, in fact, he he's he's part of the success at Crystal Palace. He's a big part of it, and yeah. The, what we don't know, and we're all speculating all the time, all across the blogs, is is if um, Klopp might give him a chance to come back, yeah, of he of or if he's determined to sell him. We don't know. Uh, let's assume Klopp doesn't want to have him back, so 30 million plus should be uh, the minimum. Yeah, should be the price, and um, yeah, bargaining bargaining chip, maybe. But uh, player plus only cash kind of uh, player plus cash kind of deal. Yeah, yeah. Player plus ten or fifteen million. Yeah. The question is if Southampton want to have Sacco. I don't know, because only then, I mean, then you have this 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 bargaining chip thing. Yeah. They'd probably be quite happy to have Sacco, but they don't want his wages. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. Which is the whole reason why everybody leaves Southampton in the first what, what, place, isn't it? Actually, yeah, that's a good point. What, is, what are his <laughs> yeah. wages, actually? Yeah, I can't remember. What are Sarko's wages? I don't know. Uh, well, uh, close on close on 100 grand, I would have thought. but Because uh, he, he has signed a new contract. But, I mean, in any case, it's always going to be a lot higher than Southampton pay. 
I can I can see this. Um, I can see him being more interested in going to Italy or something like that. Um, but it's going to be a difficult. Trans- I, mean, I think I think the summer's going to be incredibly difficult anyway. But uh, I think it's, this is going to be a really difficult one to pull off and get a good price for him, unless he gets sold within the Premier League. Yeah, um, I was just reading just before um, we started recording this. Um, Southampton, uh, you know, they were trying to get some investment into the club with uh, some Chinese party or something, and they have actually pulled out um, of uh, investing into the into into the club, um, and also. This thing about uh, Virgil van Dijk, we're talking about him um, as a player that we want to get, but has he at any time said that he wants to leave the Saints? He hasn't, right? He's, he's never mentioned anything like that. No, but he's, no, he's, 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 he's not going to stay there. If, you know, if you've got Champions League clubs chasing him, he's not going to stay there. Okay. So, okay, so that's this, this um, of course, um, Liverpool fans um, always like to play FIFA and football manager. Uh, and it's it's fair. I mean, we can talk about player plus cash. How much uh, you know we value uh, Sarko for? How much again? Thirty million, thirty-five million, is it? 30, 30, 30 million plus. I think thirty, uh, 30 million. million was minimum Van fee Dijk. that was put on the on the media. Van Dijk is fifty Sir? million or something like this. Joe, I've just. I don't know if I, uh, it was said because I could cut myself one seventy-five thousand a week. Okay. So, that's 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 interesting. Now, when I look at this list, um, I interestingly I find another name in there. That's Koulibaly, uh from Napoli, right? Napoli. Yeah, from Napoli. Yeah, but he's a, he's an African player again, Senegalese. Uh, 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 the problem is the African Cup of Nations again. I'd rather go for Van Dijk and pay a bit extra. Yeah. So it's it's interesting Definitely. that uh, another centre back option <clears throat> is in this list. Um, now, why I keep mentioning this list is because, I mean, uh, uh, Melissa Reddy seems to be quite uh, um, accurate in her some of her uh, uh, rumour sifting, in a way. Okay, so I'm not sure if Kulabali is uh, kind of like a distraction or a red herring, uh, in a way. Or would Klopp be plausibly looking to buy, possibly looking to buy two new centre-backs? And the other thing is, okay, uh, this is another thing that I want to talk about. Um, Matip <laughs> and Lovren. That's a great partnership, right? Would you want to break them up or, or what? They, they work really well together. But they're also very injured as well. So yeah. we that's need, the problem, we yes. Need an, yeah, if we had them and they were sort of bulletproof and they could play 90% of the games, I would say yes. Uh, you know, then it's not as critical. But Lovren's been injured. Matip has been injured. We've had problems this year with the physicality of the, of the Prem. Uh, we need we need to bring somebody like a Van Dyke in or Sarko back. I mean, especially considering the fact that the amount of games of football we're going to be playing next season, should we get Europe, which by now we presume we're going to get, and if we want to try and go the distance in the Cups again, then... You know, Clavin, I just don't really see him as a good enough third-choice centre-back. Like, I wouldn't be necessarily happy with him playing a lot of games, especially if Lovren and Matic do carry on getting injured. And Joe Gomez, while he does look a good prospect, isn't quite ready for regular first-team football yet. So I think it would be good to bring in another centre-back like Van Dijk, who would mean that we have three excellent first-choice ready centre-backs and also it would create a little bit of competition between them, like we were saying earlier, between Carrius and Matip that will obviously, I think, lead to us having a better partnership overall. Yeah, yeah. What I'm excited about is, to, of course, Brunt, uh, we know, and that story is ongoing. I'm not sure um, where we are on, on that one. But what I'm excited to see, a name there, um, is, a, is a guy that I think we should definitely go for, and that's Kita. Kita, I think he's. Yeah. yeah, I think it's a good one. Yeah, um, he's. Um, there was a piece I think I wrote uh, several months ago. I think during the Afcon, um, Afcon players to look out for, and he was definitely on that list. I'll see if I can find it uh, and post it uh, in the, uh, in the same post as this uh, uh, forecast. But um, you know, he. He's if, a we bit like Kante, if we do, if we Kante Deco yeah. kind of player. But if we do go for Keto, 
critical that we don't go for Kulumbay there, uh, Bali then, because we can't have too many African players in uh, when they go away for the African Cup of Nations. Uh, Christian, do you know much about this guy? Have you seen him? Unfortunately not, but I've heard a lot about him, and he 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 is said to be very very good. He he is uh, said to be the key of success at uh, at Leipzig, yeah. and they have a very good success. I mean, this is a team that has been promoted to Bundesliga, and they are dominating almost all the clubs except for Munich, of course. Yeah, which is a class in itself in, in Germany. So so Leipzig is very very good, and that's mainly mainly because of, of Kita. Why would they He's sell him? Center. Would they sell him, do you think? No, they don't, and they don't have to. And I mean, this is uh, another thing where we have to pay, say, 40 million plus or something, which is ridiculous for a player that is not really proven in the CL, uh, in the PL, sorry, because that seems to be very important. I mean, when you remember about the signings of last summer, it's Wijnaldum. Mm-hmm. And and it's and it's Mane, yeah. And they were the, they made a very big impact. Matip, very very good, just coming from from the Bundesliga, okay. But he seems to be an exception because Klavan is struggling a bit, and he's struggling a bit too too often for my tastes. Mm-hmm. Anyone else and have Karis. any views on uh, Kita? Know anything about him? <laughs> from what I've seen, I've seen, I've seen a little, but uh, but I've seen some. And I think he is very, very good. I wouldn't mind seeing him at Liverpool at all. Yeah, mental. The the, pr- the problem with so so many of these targets is uh, getting the clubs to release them. You know, yeah. like say Leipzig have money; they don't need to sell. Oh, yeah. Um, and and they've got this policy of only buying young players rather than established stars. And they're doing so well in the league and they'll have Champions League. And with the age of these players, they don't need to be in a hurry to move either. So if their football is going really well, you know, as a lot of them are going to, um, a lot of them will think that their game is best served by staying where they are, where they're, you know, they're, um, they're playing very regularly and they're very settled and enjoying their football and enjoying their domestic life. And they're, and they're young enough that they can do that. They don't need to move at this moment. It's not like a, a 20 four-year-old, 25-year-old who needs to step up to the next level because if they don't do it now, they'll never do it. So, I mean, it's it's one of the reasons why I think the summer is going to be so tough. Yeah. Well, wages is obviously, an increase in wages is obviously a a good place. He's got a contract till 2020 as well. Yeah. (laughs) Wow. It's a huge price. That's going to be asked for him. Um, Okay. Now, I don't see a striker name in there other than a wide forward. Uh, who is uh, Brunt, uh, and and possibly yeah yeah only Brunt really. Do we need one? Williams. No, I mean in this list uh, by by. Uh, okay. Yeah. It's already. Yeah. yeah. So, do we need a striker then? A centre forward type. Now, having said this, um, uh, Lukaku <laughs> has confirmed that he won't sign a new contract, uh, and Everton have slapped a one hundred million pound price tag on him. <laughs> yeah, dr- dream on. <laughs> Dream on. <laughs> when's when's his contract too? Uh, I think it's got two years left. Is it two years? Two years or something like this. And, um, Ridiculous. Kuman is, is, is ex, he said that he expects um, Luca to honour uh, his uh, contract. Yeah, hundred million pounds. Jeez. Ridiculous. Absolutely laughable. Okay, but do we need a striker? I, I think don't so. Think yeah. So, yes. Yeah. Now, what, so? what are you going to do about uh, Ings? There's uh, Origi, Ings. Then you've got then you then you've got Firmino playing in the strikers role. So you've got two backups there. Uh, if we get Mane, uh, Brunt, and a Williams, we've got a lot of forward firepower for 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 all the games. I'd be surprised if he brings if he brings in another centre forward type. Um, then I can see Ings going. I think for Ings, um, my view is I, th- I think it's best served that he goes on loan actually uh, next season. Me too. Yeah, I think so. Too. Yeah, because Ings 
he does look like a, a lad who's still going who's going to become a very good player and could be useful for Liverpool in the future. But in a situation where we are now, especially if we're competing in a tournament like the Champions League this season, we're not really in a position where we want him to be one of our first choice options. That's the main concern for me, really, is while I do rate the players we've got playing up front at the moment, like Firmino and Origi and Ings when he comes back from injury. I don't really see that as practical going into a Champions League campaign with those being our first choice forwards. Mm -hmm. I think we'd still need someone of a little bit higher quality to help us, even if it's just bringing in another centre forward so that we have more options for squad rotation between European games and domestic games and everything. I can't really see us not having any sort of action in that area of the pitch, especially because, correct me if I'm wrong, because I may be slightly forgetting, but I don't think we signed a striker last summer. And I think it might be something that Klopp will now be looking to do this summer. And of course, there's an uncertainty around Sturridge as well. Uh, always an uncertainty around him. Um, where, where do you Sturridge stand? Sturridge is going. He's going. Yeah. Yes. And, and let me let me be be honest on on this one. Um, I I have to say from from my point of view, um, and this is nothing personal against Danny Ings. I really like that guy, and he worked so hard on getting coming back and getting back to fitness, but I think his his career first choice at Liverpool is over. With with two so bad, terrible injuries within a short space of time and, and only having played three months or so and just working himself back to fitness and then having such a big injury again, I think with those almost two years missing on on first team football, it's that that's that's it. I think yeah, those would have been so important to his development. First team football. I don't yeah, think so. Those two years would have been absolutely massive for his development and Liverpool. Yes. The, the fact that he's missed out on them, yeah, I just very sad to say that. Yeah, because he's he's a nice lad. It's obviously very unfair, but at the end of the day, as we were saying earlier, Paisley and Shankly did so well at Liverpool because they did away with being with being sympathetic, yeah. with being kind and prioritising, you know players emotions over the fortunes of the club so I think at the end of the day Jurgen Klopp has to prioritise where Liverpool want to be rather than where his players want to be and that might mean I think it looks like Danny Ings will have to leave the club in search of better opportunities exactly you know when yeah. he when then he I can his, see us yeah. then I can see us bring it as another striker in if Ings goes definitely we'll bring another striker in um, even when yeah. he after he came back from his first injury he didn't get uh, a lot of uh, opportunities in the first team. He played a lot of games in the under 23s, um, and then slowly, as he as he worked his way back up to uh, full match fitness and health, and and I guess when you have a serious knee injury like that, you start to doubt your body a little bit, and then you start trusting yourself again to to make those runs, to make those tackles, to to do all the things that you were doing before, um, and then uh, crushing blow again. Um, yep. And when he comes back, um, when you play for a club like Liverpool, you, you are expected to be at the top of your game in every game. And it could be a bit too much um, in terms of expectation for this, for, this, uh, for this guy now. And he's 23, is it? 23? Yep. And um, so if he goes out on loan, he said, OK, you know, you go out to, to, to this other club, maybe back to Burnley again. Who knows, right? Huddersfield. Um, Huddersfield, yes, Huddersfield. Um, yeah. It's interesting you mentioned Huddersfield. I just read something, uh, Klopp said something positive about uh, his good friend, David Wagner, saying that he's one of the best trainers in England, probably um, setting him up for a, for a bigger job um, at Huddersfield. Uh, I have to say that he's done a, a good job there. But coming back to Danny, um, if Danny Ings goes, um, and of course with Sturridge, again, question mark, likelihood that he goes as well and someone else comes in and you know then that's that spot is got is is there for the for the new guy and there's no way then back for 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 Danny but where do you where do you stand on this issue with a center forward versus wide forward do we you know we've got Mane we've got Firmino who's like being played at center forward but now earlier in the show we, we said that okay uh, he could be well served to going back towards a attacking midfielder uh, kind of role. Do we need a, a classic centre forward now? It could be very useful. It depends on the player, and I think this Lacazette type of player who works very hard, 
yeah he's is willing to to commit himself to the team play um that's uh, that's that's key and that's exactly what you see with Firmino um which makes him makes him so so valuable to club that's why he is usually not substituted etc etc and plays almost every game mm-hmm. and for example if like i said is that type of player he might fit very well or somebody else similar to that yeah club wants wants forwarders who swap sides are very flexible regarding the sides who are enjoying in uh, team play and so uh, they are unpredictable in terms of the play and that is uh, something that um, Klopp wants wants to 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 maximize he wants this uh, Pep Linders mentioned that recently in this, in an interview um, um, talking about the the um, the academy prospects and he said unpredictability and pace are extremely welcome he said he said that in a, in a way like um, that's exactly what we want and what, what we are missing with the first team. We want pace and we want less predictability. Predictability. Sorry, <laughs> struggling with the English word. And and that sort of centre forward is something that that Klopp is after, um, because he would like to 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 have a Daniel Sturridge, but with the higher work rate. And you, you can see that that, that Sturridge is is rarely used. And it's a, it's a clear sign that, that, that Klopp uh, is going to get rid of him. Right. I think we need to get rid of Sturridge. Uh, this is the third season in a row that, that he can't be relied upon because yep. of his injuries and illnesses. And you just can't have a, a player and thinking you've got a player of, of the right quality and he's not available for, for most of the time. And, He's another Harry Kuehl. Yeah, exactly. And uh, I also don't think we need Danny Ings here next season, but I agree with Joe, and that that's my idea also about a loan somewhere, where he can, well, see if he can work his way into back into fitness. And uh, in that case, we definitely do need to buy another striker. And... Yeah, as Christian said, I would also go for Lacazette. The problem we have with all all players, we always need to keep in mind that it's not just about playing at least eight to ten more games with the Champions League. Let's say we we will succeed from the group stage and at least reach, say, the last 16 or the last eight. The the big issue is that we have to cope with uh, with injuries. And we will have... Now, when we see the last two seasons under Klopp with this high-intensity game, at least high-intensity game pressing against the big, the top six, top seven, which we have to use, um, then we will have at least five to six injured players. We have to we have to to um, to keep this in mind, and he has to ha- have that in mind, and that's what we have to plan with. Okay, 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 and uh, finally, uh, captain, leader. Wife shagger and racist bastard. <laughs> John Terry is available as a centre back option, guys. So we should go for him, right? Father I, of the year. <laughs> I brought up my uh, expletive monitor right now, so fire away. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you want to be a mascot or war carrier, then okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay, seriously. Now let's move on to um, the weekend's uh, games and also. The games that are coming up. So um, we host Crystal Palace uh, on Sunday, uh, and knowing that uh, they will be without uh, Sarko, and how big of uh, of a boost is this for us? I think it's a reasonably sized one, but I don't think it's one that we should overestimate because while Sacco has been very good for Palace, you know I think Sam Allardyce is a manager who works much less on the quality of his players and much more on the the sort of style and system that he plays. So these players, you know, now I think the introduction of Sacco has helped, but they've now had time with Sam Allardyce to adapt to his methods. And that's shown how, with how good defensively they've become recently. So I think Sacco will be a bit of a blow, but I don't think we should go into the game and think, oh yeah, Sacco's gone. So they're going to be easy to break down now because they still will be, nearly as difficult as they are with Sacco. But obviously, I don't expect Jurgen Klopp to get complacent like that. So I don't think he will look at the situation and think they don't have Sacco. They're going to be easy to break down. 
but I think it will help us and I think it swings the game a little bit in our favour and makes me a little bit more confident about us winning whereas maybe if they did have Sacco I'd think that we might come away with a draw Yeah, with Sacco in the side Palace have picked up 16 points from their last available 21 um, so he has definitely been um, a positive a, a big plus for them um, so uh, I think we've only got 17 out of the last 21 haven't we? Yeah. Oh. So. Okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah we will have done. Amazing. That's pretty amazing form. So, what, um, what do you guys mm. think of the um, this this game then? Uh, perhaps uh, uh, coming back to you again, Will. I know, I know you're gonna p- uh, put out your uh, match preview, but uh, give us a little teaser. Well, I think the important thing with this game is to avoid complacency, not just with the Sacco issue, but with the match in general. Obviously, we have just come off the back of our probably our two hardest games of this running that we're in at the moment. And the important thing is not to say we've got those games out of the way. It's all going to be uphill and easy from here because Crystal Palace are, as we said, a very good team and they're in fantastic form as well. I mean, you only have to look at the games they've had against Arsenal. Admittedly, that was at home and Arsenal aren't very good at the moment, but also against Chelsea, which was at Stamford Bridge. So away from home, like they will be playing this weekend You know, they've been getting some good results and it's not just this defensive ability. They've also improved a lot attacking wise, Mm -hmm. which maybe we didn't expect from Sam Allardyce. And I think their big thing is that they like to lump the ball forward. They like Benteke to win those knockdowns and then all those wide players with their pace bomb forward and start to cut inside, get into the box and create chances. And these are all things that Liverpool's defence hasn't necessarily worked well with. I can see him setting up similarly again and going for the whole system of playing the ball up to Benteke and then trying to get those wide players in because obviously we have James Milner on the left who isn't necessarily the fastest player in the world. So the idea of him coming up against players like Wilfred Zaha, I am dreading it a little bit. So I think they'll set up similar to how they played against Arsenal. And the advantage we have really there is that we expect them to play that way. And so as long as Jurgen Klopp comes up with a decent plan to counteract it, it'll probably be quite similar to how we played against West Brom. I still think we have the edge over them, but I don't think in any way it's going to be an easy game. And I certainly think it will be tight and it will probably be one by one goal, whether that's one nil or two one. We'll just have to see. OK, um, uh, guys, what do what, uh, what the, the rest of the guys think? Yeah. I think you're spot on there. It's not going to be an easy game. There's never an easy game against a, a Pulis or a Fat Sam, Sam team. It's going to be very physical. They're going to disrupt us. And, I, I, and it's not going to be a thrashing by any means. I, I will take three points however we get them. Uh, whether it's one goal or 2-1, as he said, uh, it's going to be difficult. Guess what? I agree with both of you. <laughs> and I'd just like to add that, that I'm amazed by uh, how many people fail to, to see the, the influence of Benteke <laughs> in those situations where, where, where they, they really create danger for their opponents. Uh, everybody talks about Sako in defense and Zaha in attack, and nobody mentions Benteke. Uh, against Arsenal, they score three goals. Uh, all three of them, including the penalty, uh, were preceded by a ball hoofed forward and one by Benteke in the air. Mm-hmm. And the concern is obviously that Benteke now also... You know, against Arsenal, he performed very well, but against Liverpool, he has a point to prove as well. And up against the manager who sold him, so he's going to be up for this game. Yeah. So Matip needs to needs to be on his toes. I think. Matip, yeah. Matip oh, yeah. and Lovelin need to have a great game. Uh, they yeah. need to be physical. They need to dominate, and they need to get above Benteke at every opportunity. And Minoulet is going to have to be brave because he's going to get battered. In the, in the goal, yeah. so he's got to come out and claim that uh, uh, that box area and punch the ball a hundred miles away. Well, yeah. the last time we played them uh, was in October uh, at Selhurst Park. Four, four to win. Yeah, yeah. Um, four to win. Uh, Benteke uh, wouldn't say that he had a very good game in that one. Uh, maybe average, maybe bordering on below, slightly below average as well. Um, but he's come on leaps and bounds uh, since then. Yeah, that that game, Joe. That game was under uh, Pardew, and uh, yeah, I think Allardyce is Allardyce is much much better at getting the most out of players, powerful players, yeah. wingers, and and big guys. You know, that's that's what he loves to do. So 
hopefully, um, you know, Matip and Lovren, that's, well, particularly Lovren, that's the kind of game he likes, you know, very direct true, yeah. and very aggressive, very combative. So, you know, hopefully we'll, um, we'll be able to sort of nullify them to a certain extent, but they will be dangerous. But if we get a result out of the Palace game, that will just be massive, absolutely huge. Yeah. Because it's, you know, we've still got Southampton, who will be a tough nut to crack coming up. Yeah. yeah but yeah. really, really, to get the points out of this game would just be so huge because it would just take so much pressure off the rest of the games. Yeah. And I think part of yeah. it is is sucking the life out of Man United as well, really, because I mean they're mm. they're winning week in week in, week out at the moment. They are picking up three points as regularly as we are, and they've obviously just had that massive result against Chelsea. But if we can just keep on picking up three points every single week and keep them at arm's length every single time, I think that is gonna take its toll on them, sort of in terms of their mentality and obviously with the Europa League games coming up as well. And I think if we yeah. can keep them that way, I think they will start to fall away towards the end of the season, sort of similar to how Spurs fell away against Leicester in the title race last season. You know, once it became clear that Spurs weren't going to catch Leicester, they fell away massively and just and, and in the end ended up finishing third. So that's the kind of thing that I hope that we can do with Manchester United, just sort of keep on winning, keep them uh, away from us, and then eventually they should hopefully crumble. And they've got some difficult fixtures at the end of the season as well. So that's I think right, it yeah. is just a matter of, like you said, keep on picking up the three points, keep them away, and I think we should secure the top four quite easily. Well, they still... Yeah, yeah, I've, I've, I've watched the, 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 the Palace game against Arsenal, and, and I mean, Arsenal were, were, were poor. Um, yeah. But Palace were really impressive. But they won't, they won't have Sacco, who played, I think, every single game since, since yeah. uh, the start of the year. And as I said, from my point of view, he was a big part of their, their success and their... their um, yeah, their, their positive development. Um, and so he will not be there, and we might have Lalana back. Yeah. I think Henderson's definitely closer, he's think, in the mixer. Not, he's closer than Lalana, I think, yeah. And I think he's in. He's definitely in the mixer for being in this game, whether that's... I think it'll probably be as a substitute appearance because we don't necessarily have a crisis in our midfield at the moment. It's doing pretty well, and we don't really want to risk Henderson at this stage of the season when he's coming back from an injury, we don't want him to give him another knock that might keep him out for another four weeks and prevent him from playing again this season. So I think if he is ready, which it looks like he might be, then it will probably be from the bench and we'll look to bring him on and give him about half an hour so that he's ready to play the game against Watford a week afterwards. Yeah, and, and uh, coming to Watford, um, they've managed three clean sheets in their last four games uh, and they're currently 12 points clear of safety. So... You know, that's, it seems, I mean, from the outset, it looks like, okay, that's them done. Uh, they're, they're safe, clearly mid-table. Perhaps it could be a case where, like, it's uh, West Bromwich, you know, okay, uh, they can relax now, uh, everything's okay, and perhaps uh, motivation um, is, a, is a bit lower uh, that could help us uh, take advantage of, uh, of, of that. And then, again, it's coming back to the Saints, um, and we've not scored against them this season in three <laughs> attempts, guys, against the Saints. Uh, amazing. Um, and uh, they are still without um, Virgil van Dijk. I think he's probably out for the season. Um, but we mentioned Manchester United, and they have got some tough, tough trips up against oh, yeah, yeah. City, yep. Arsenal, Spurs. Um, City, City, you know, that's going to be an, a, a, a huge game because City are still in that mix and they want to make sure that they want to finish in the top four. Arsenal, again, want to ensure they finish in the top four. Spurs, <laughs> maybe they have a whiff of, you know, maybe they could they could overturn, um, you know, this, uh, this gap uh, with Chelsea. It's crazy. But most immediately, I think, for, for them uh, is... Uh, what, what? Anderlecht, they play them tomorrow. Yeah, Anderlecht on Thursday night. And, and I think a, that's yeah. that's the massive thing with Man United as well. As you mentioned, those games, are, they're both away against Arsenal and Tottenham. Yeah. And should they progress from, from this tie against Anderlecht, those games will both take place on a Sunday after a European semi-final. And we know how much of a toll that took on Liverpool's league, cam league campaign towards the end of last season. And... Personally, I can see Mourinho prioritising the Europa League 
over the the top four in the Premier League because I think for the kind of manager he is, he's a bit of a big game manager. He likes his game plans in games like semi-finals and finals, and also he likes silverware as well. So I think he's probably going to prioritise the Europa League over the league campaign. And should they get past Anderlecht, which is still a little bit up in the air because obviously it was 1-1 in the first leg, I think that's what they're going to do. I think he will swallow his pride and let the league fall by the wayside for the purpose of winning the Europa League. And obviously that should come to Liverpool's benefit because Arsenal, I think, they look like they're going to be out of it unless results start going their way and start going against the teams above them. And should Man United fall away, then we should hopefully secure the top four. That's how I think it's going to go. I've been very generous. I did a spreadsheet on the last games of the season and I've been very generous to United. Mm-hmm. I gave, uh, I've only let them drop points against City and Spurs. A draw each there. If they win all their games and they draw against City and Spurs, they end up on 77. We win all our last games. We end up on 81. So even if we draw one of those games, we will still finish ahead of them. Uh, City the same. Uh, if City win all the games but draw against United, we'll finish on 80. So we still pip them for, for that third place. And that means uh, uh, I, I think we shoe in for the top four. I think we might even finish third. I can't see Chelsea getting caught. Um, I don't think Spurs are going to get there. They've also got a, quite a tough... They've got a quite a tough run in Spurs because they go to Palace away, then they've got Arsenal, and they've got United, as well as Leicester away. So that's quite a... Even if they only get a point against Palace and Arsenal and United. I think they're only going to finish around 83, 86 points. And I think Chelsea will finish on about 89. I mean, if you look at, um, yeah, still staying on this topic, if you look at the closing games, um, the last four games for Manchester United is Arsenal away, Spurs away, Southampton away. Uh, remember, this is a team that they've they beat. Not going to be easy, yeah. Yeah, they beat in the EFL Cup final, yeah. Yeah, so they might be up for some revenge there. And then Crystal Palace, um, whereas we, after the Saints, we have uh, West Ham who have totally lost it. Uh, And Borough. Now, the thing with Borough is... um, They'll be relegated already. Yeah, Yeah. that's what we've got to hope for, is (laughs) that they're already down. Yeah, so... I I think they're already down anyway. yeah. Yeah. I think by that stage, mathematically, they, they should have had it by that point. And that's what we've got to hope for, because that means that we'll be the only ones playing for it in that game. Yeah. So that's that's kind of two games then. Um, uh, with that, Well, three games with that uh, Bromwich Albion one. And then against Watford, who are, you know, kind of relatively safe in mid-table. In yeah. And then again with, uh, with Middlesbrough. Um, yeah. I don't think Middlesbrough is going to escape. Uh, yeah. United's, United's schedule... We're hoping United's schedule is what kills them because they're they're just Thursday, Thursday Sunday, Thursday Sunday. You know, it's, it's midweek weekend, midweek weekend, pretty much through to the end of the season now. I think I, I don't think they get any breaks. Yeah. So yeah. we're hoping that schedule is going to kill them. Um, yeah. The thing is, the thing is, they you know he he Mourinho has got them to a point where they don't lose games. So you know, he, he, and that's his thing. He he, he stops people playing their game that's his great strength yeah. so you know he may you know he may be able to keep that going even if they don't win enough games you know he may be able to just get away with the draws all over the place so it will be interesting to see what that does to uh, to their position but we are relying on that schedule to absolutely um hammer them yeah yeah well as always um we are always focused on ourselves and uh, how uh, how we perform on the pitch and in our games as Klopp rightly put it um, yeah, it's nice uh, that others around us, uh, you know, uh, do a favour. But um, it's all going to be about us, not just this weekend, but uh, for the rest of the, the remaining games of the season. And uh, guys, thank you so much for joining me on this show. Uh, I think it was a great discussion. We had a really good long, long one this time. <laughs> um, yeah, um, up the Reds and uh, take care and uh, talk to you all soon. Yeah, cheers all. Bye, Bye. 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 B